It's March 1st, 2020, and welcome to episode 30 of the Baby Metal Podcast. We gather in the podcast Discord server on alternate weeks to discuss news and thoughts on the past and future projects of Baby Metal. We invite you to join us, whether you're a longtime fan or have only just arrived. I am Paul, and I am joined by Kevin. Happy one month to Fox Day. <laughs> and Garrett. Hello, happy March. Yes, that's true. That's true. One <laughs> month to Fox Day. Um, it's funny how this stuff just sneaks up on you. Yeah, no kidding. So, I guess just today, they uh, have now finished off this sort of like this chunk of the the tour. They just played in Moscow earlier today, as we're recording. And now they have almost three weeks off. I think they have 20 days off, something like that. They've definitely earned it. Yeah. No kidding. I kind of wonder if, um, you know, what that means to have that time off. I mean, we don't see them, but quite possibly they're, you know, rehearsing or something. Probably. Hopefully they have a day. I'm sure they have some time blocked out for a little R&R, maybe some sightseeing before they go home. One should hope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was, it was kind of interesting that uh, they played in St. Petersburg and then I think there was a, a day or two and a pause and then they played in Moscow. Uh, I know that we were curious to know if there was going to be something sort of special about the, the Russia shows. Um, I know they had special merch uh, or at least different merch. Different. Yeah. But I don't know. Sleeves are pretty special. Yeah, so that I think is probably the the main thing. <laughs> it seems like a, a bit of a trivial <laughs> detail, but yeah, in Saint Petersburg there was a, a difference in the costume. Uh, did they wear them in Moscow too? I can't remember off the top of my head. I believe they did not. I think that uh, I think the sleeves were just for Saint Petersburg. <laughs> okay, wonder why that is. I've seen hypotheses that it's just because it was cold. <laughs> uh, see, that's logical. But that's that would be the logical explanation. But well, they did. Their venue was a hockey arena, and uh, that's a venue not really known for heating. So you know, it could true. just be cold. <laughs> yeah, still seems kind of. I don't know. <laughs> well, that could be. It could be. I wonder if they planned for that. <laughs> well, obviously they had them on hand, but. Yeah, I wonder if maybe like earlier in the day they were sound checking and they're just like, this is not going to work. Yeah, we're going to freeze. Work. Give us jackets, please. <laughs> they should have worn the uh, trooper hats. <laughs> yeah. Oh, please. <laughs> I think that would be pretty great, actually. <laughs> just like bundled up in winter coats. <laughs> Stay Puff Marshmallow Men yeah. on stage. I mean, on the theme of black baby metal later on, they did do Oni Dai, Dai Sockskin and jackets at Tokyo Dome. So they have done jackets before. Or snow coats, rather. Uh, yeah, well, and I think even before that, they did the, I forget which song it was, maybe it was that in um, something like you know, Christmas Outfits or whatever. Like, Yeah, yeah that's, what I was, that's what I was referring to. I was, in my head, there were snow jackets, but. But I think that was, that was earlier than Tokyo Dome. Oh, wasn't it? For sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. Much earlier. I think they did it again at Tokyo Dome or something similar. Uh, they wore the hoodies, hoodies for that hoodies. song. Yeah, that was it. Every time, I think every time they performed it. Yeah. But not, probably not because it was just cold during that song. No. That was, that was <laughs> no. a theme. That was a theme. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that's cool, though. They've, they played in Moscow. They um, did not speak in Russian, though, as far as I know. Or at least in Moscow, they didn't. I wasn't watching the St. Petersburg one too carefully. But all the sort of like audience interaction appeared to be in English. Mm-hmm. We had, there was a, in the, for the Moscow show, there was somebody who was uh, doing a, I guess it was an Instagram stream of a fair bit of it. Shh, don't tell anyone. But um, uh, and it was pretty cool. And, it was, you know, we could hear, we could hear the immediate neighbors. And I have to say that uh, they knew the lyrics better than I did. <laughs> so, <laughs> and they sang pretty well in tune. That was pretty fun, though. Uh, what else? There was. Oh, what, did you guys see the the Sue's so- soccer move <laughs> or football yes. move? I did not see that. I heard about it though. <laughs> Got quite the leg. Yeah, sure. She threw the mask uh, during the middle of Megan's today, landed on the stage, and she caught all of it. She just gave it a good kick off the stage, and that sucker went flying. I was actually impressed. I don't think I could kick a plastic mask that hard. Yeah, it was. <laughs> what I thought. So I saw. We saw. I don't know, a couple of angles of this. And uh, the, one, one of the shots that I saw of this was was really, it was basically from the barrier looking over at it. So you could really sort of see it pretty well. And the, the Fox God crew guy was sort of like crouched there. And then yeah. th- the way she kicked it, I mean, it was some, uh, I don't even, I don't know soccer technique or whatever, but it was, but it was like, she used the side of her foot. It was, it was like uh-huh. very, <laughs> it seemed very professional. <laughs> yes. So, but anyway, it was pleasing. And of course the, Fox God crew guy pounced on it and 
took off with it. But right. he made a nice save at the barrier. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I mean, I guess they never know quite where that thing's going to land. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, actually, we had we uh, know somebody who uh, where was this? I forget where it was actually, but um, who who caught the mask? The mask actually went out into the audience, and um, the Fox God crew came and retrieved it. <laughs> he didn't get to keep yeah. it, but that's pretty wild. It's happened before when they were using the white masks years and years ago. Uh, the Fox God crew did not retrieve it that time, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think there's there was a picture of it. I think somewhere floating around the community. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. It would be pretty cool to even just have it for a second. But um, from what I could tell on the fan cam, the, the you know the the crew guy wasted no time going after that. <laughs> <laughs> Not terribly surprised. Yeah, I mean, I know everybody says they're cheap, and you know we'll just let the people keep it. But you know they know what they're doing. I think if that became a thing, the fight for people at Center Barrier to try and catch that thing. It would honestly just get dangerous and out of control. Right. Such a thing would possibly also, you know, command a high price, except for the fact that like, they all look the same. Yeah, literally priceless. Um, well, in fact, you can buy them as merch, right? You can, yeah. But not one touched, held, used. Yeah. But good luck, good luck authenticating the mask. Yeah, sure. So let's see. Uh, what else? Are there other things you wanted to say about the ending of the tour? No, I don't think so. It's all kind of a blur, man. I mean, they're performing every day, every other day there for, what, almost a month? Yeah. How do you even, I can't even imagine keeping track of where you are, waking up in another city every day like I'm sure they're doing. Yeah, I'm sure they're nice to have, be able to go back home and just settle into a routine for at least a week or two. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Someplace away from the bus. <laughs> yeah. Def- definitely happy for all the fans that got to see them for the first time because they went to so many new cities, which is really cool. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, that's the big benefit of such a big tour is that they really do. They can really go to a lot of these places that that they you know yeah. never would have gone to if it was just a five stop tour. I do think it's worth mentioning on the Avenger side that uh, Momoko just kind of took over there. Riho started the thing, and then Momoko ended up doing ten in a row, I think, through Moscow. Yeah, that's. Pretty cool. Because uh, I know we had, I think last time we recorded, uh, Momokoro had only done two at that point. And Riho had done a right. big, long run before that. Right. It's kind of cool to see her get her time on the stage. Yeah. Saw a lot of Riho. But so it does, I mean, so they really are, they're keeping it pretty balanced. Um, you know, if you're trying to place <laughs> odds, I mean, I, I suppose when, when they are uh, having the same Avenger for many shows in a row, it, your bets become easier, <laughs> but so, yeah. So uh, it feels like it's news that uh, they announced the next round of the one. You know, of course, the next time period is. I think it's. I think it starts a ways into April, so it's like April twentieth or something like that is when it actually starts. Sometimes sort of late April, but the the new merch piece, you know, the the thing that you have to buy in order to be a member, is another T shirt. Again, this time we can select the size. So, yep. And if you're already a the one member, then you get a sticker too. <laughs> like last Ooh. time, I think. Was there a sticker last time? Yeah. What was last time? Was was last year the towel or another shirt? I don't remember. It was a shirt. Last time it was a shirt. I don't, I don't remember getting a sticker. I'm pretty sure I have it. I don't know where I put it, you know, because I, I didn't want to leave it sort of in the bag. <laughs> but, right. But yeah, I think it was, you know, it was a sticker sort of like the, you know, it's sort of like the oncoming arc design. Mm hmm. So. And it looks like yeah, we, so we have a new design too for the, the one website. So when I was looking at it before, I think we talked about this, probably legend metal galaxy or something, you know, what the new picture was. Mm -hmm. And it looks to me like it was kind of like the, like organized, like a compass rose, kind of like the arc coming at you with sort of rockets going on, uh, on the 45 degree angles. And I am no longer quite convinced that those are rockets. (laughs) It looks a little bit, it looks a little bit even more stylized than that. There are all the regular admonitions about, like, in the future, you're going to need to use the new shirt. People who try to buy merch or tickets with the old shirt will be turned away. Right. And tickets for whatever's going to happen in October. If you want to enter those lotteries, you will probably need this shirt. Yep. There's no huge rush, but uh, particularly if you're overseas. Uh, you have to get the thing in order to get the code in order to get yourself signed up. So 
you don't want to wait too long because often the turnaround time on these things is so short that you couldn't order the shirt and get it and get the code and you know get in the lottery in time i think it depends on where you live my one shirts from osmart well anything i order from osmart usually shows up to me within the week i want to say three four days maximum oh yeah no it's it's definitely pretty quick but uh i still remember i don't remember actually the specifics of it but i remember there were a couple cases where like the lottery was starting and if you still had to order your shirt, you were not going to oh, make it. Oh, sure. So I don't know if there's much to say about the shirt design, but I'm I'm looking at it now. It's hard to even say what it looks like, but I would one thing that I would say is that, I mean, so there is kind of like a uh, triangle shape at the top, but it does feel like there's more of a presence of the number two in the design than there was. <laughs> I mean, hmm. I'm having a hard time seeing these twos you're talking about. Well, well, I guess what I'm saying is that there's kind of like a left and a right. It's not, it's not the oh, symmetry okay. of it I, I get is you. I get you. not three. Sure. For whatever worth that is. I mean, we clearly got a lot out of all the symbolism on last year's shirt. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, I do think it's worth mentioning uh, Faku put together a video on how to buy your shirt and join the one if you've never done that before. We can put that in the uh, description for this episode if you've never done that and want to join the one for the first time. It's a pretty good guide on how to do that if you're not a Japanese speaker. Mm -hmm. So the primary outlet for all this stuff is is Osmart, the Amuse outlet. And they do make a kind of an attempt to operate in various languages, English among them. And so you can click on English and you can do all of the stuff in a version of English. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yes, a version of English. <laughs> uh, and, it, and I mean, it works fine. And that's what I've always done. But one one thing I've noticed, if you do go into the Osmart site with um, Japanese on, it looks better. First of all, it looks much, much better. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, look like this yeah, clunky 1990s website. But also, if you order things that way, it's possible to earn points. So mm -hmm. uh, I've never earned points. They owe me a lot of points if I had done it the right way, but uh, but I've never earned any. So it might be worth considering if you if you think you can really quite manage it on the Japanese site. Sure. Let's see what else we know. We have a date now for the Wow Wow airing of Legend Metal Galaxy. Uh, we knew it was going to be in April. We now know it is April twelfth. For day one. For day one, yeah. yeah. It's frustrating. They're they're airing day two in May sometime. I don't think we have the date for that yet. But um, it's a long wait. Yeah, I think they did that with Tokyo Dome, though I don't know how long they paused between showing each night. Well, I suppose even if it's in, if it's in May, it could still be two weeks or two and a three weeks or something. If it's right at the beginning yeah, of May, be. sure. Anyway, I think that might be the news. I think that's the news. Um, any any speculations we want to make? I don't know. <laughs> Not sure. You think we're going to get any new content over the next few weeks? Well. I hate to say it, but I could see them canceling dates. Just what's going around in the world right now. Yeah, that's true. I guess that counts as speculation. Lots of concerts. Yeah. Lots of events. Lots of large gathering of people um, are being canceled. As unfortunate as that would be, is I, I couldn't blame them for doing that. Yeah. Um, I think Perfume canceled a night at Tokyo Dome. So that's a pretty big deal. Um, that was just last week, I think. Yeah, I think they, Baby Metal kind of lucked out in their schedule in that I think we will we'll know more before we get to a point where they have to make a go-no-go -no -go decision. Yes. yes. So I can see, you know, perfume canceling now, it makes sense because we just really don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know, it, it seems like yes. all the news is that uh, this, you know, the virus is spreading quite quickly. <laughs> So, right. And I think it was, so we did, we were talking about this before we started recording, but I think, um, Sakura Gakuin canceled a couple of events also in the very they near did. future. They did. They canceled less standing and, um, open class. Yeah. And they've said they have not made a decision about, uh, the final yet. Yeah. And of course, I mean, you know, uh, it's, it's hard to be disappointed in people deciding that, you know, both the audience and the, and the performers should stay safe. <laughs> But right. um, it still is going to sort of change the outlook of, you know, what what happens sure. next. And it would be, I mean, it would be disappointing, not maybe in Amuse, but just in general, if 
they could make a bunch of dates in places where people were really waiting for them. So, right. Well, 20 days until not fest in Japan. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And then I guess after that is the, the Asia dates, right? Right. So Bangkok, Kuala Lumpur, Jakarta. So we'll cross our fingers that somehow things start looking better. I I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I guess it's true. Um, Ken Metal mentioned this in the chat, but uh, I'm not sure what the extent is, but there's a, at least a fairly wide, uh, large-scale school closures in Japan due to this. Right. So, yeah, well, what the government did is they suggested that schools close early, uh, but it's not mandatory. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really not as – well, I mean, it's a big deal, but I think the term is over – the term is over mid-March. So there's only two or so weeks of school left anyway. Right. So from an academic standpoint, they're not missing out a whole lot. But, you know, it would be pretty crappy to be a senior and not have a graduation because of this thing. So – yeah. And it's possible. I mean, it's always possible that, you know, it's being overestimated in its impact, but I mean, like, it doesn't seem like it. It seems like it's fairly dangerous and hard to track. So yeah, we'll hope that everything works out in some, some good way. Yeah. We got a little bit of feedback. Um, and I have to be honest, I haven't really been tracking the feedback as carefully as I probably should. So there may be feedback that I missed. But on the YouTube channel for the podcast for the previous episode, the one that was about uh, IDC, there was a, a comment by uh, Rick who said he wanted to add, I guess we've identified, or we, like the fan base, um, has identified who the actor was, who was the the spirit of heavy metal in IDC, which I thought was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So uh, his name is Kyle Patrick Gibson, an American from California who taught English in Japan, as well as being a foreign talent. And I guess the way this was found out was that, I guess it was on Boing Boing, Corey Doctorow posted a link to Gimme Chocolate and said sort of like, I forget what it was, but something like my brain, my head just exploded was the uh-huh. the caption. And this the guy who played, you know, the, the hairy guy, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, responded in a comment, you know, saying, you know, he was the only other human in this video. <laughs> <laughs> And later he actually, he responded to a couple of things. The, the second comment that he made said something like, let's see. Yeah. To be honest, I wasn't aware of baby metal when I got the job. Uh, they aren't as mainstream as AKB 48 who are plastered everywhere. Uh, he was supposed to be uh old school metalhead and a group of hip hoppers were, were bullying him. <laughs> I, I guess it wasn't clear who was doing the bullying in IDZ actually. <laughs> I don't, were they ever on screen? I don't think so. Yeah. Think so. So I don't know. At any rate, thanks, Rick. Yeah, it was interesting to see a person involved in some of this actual creative process talking about it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So To that point, though, we do try and read everything. So if you have a comment for us or a correction or you want to add something, let us know and wherever you're listening and uh, we'll take a look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I should say, I personally have been behind on reading the comments, but when I got there, Kevin had already responded. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, But I also will try to read them. Okay, are we ready to go into the topic? Perhaps we are. I think so. Yes. Okay, so the thing we want to do this time is talk about the song Forno Uta, uh, or Song 4. I assume that pretty much everybody who's listening to this knows at least what the song is. Uh, But there's actually a lot about it that's interesting to talk about. So uh, it has a kind of a story behind it. Um, It's different from the other songs in a particular way, which we will get to. Uh, it was never released as a single or anything, but there's still kind of a, a lot of things we can talk about. Yeah, let's do. So I think uh, we'll go through stuff like the different versions of it, the composers and lyricists, um, the lyrics, the song, what performances there are, choreography and stuff like that. Um, it's kind of loosely organized here, <laughs> but I guess well, maybe I'll just maybe I'll start with this the beginning you know thing which is basically just that it it appeared on the debut album so and it's a black baby metal song so it's a song that is basically just um, performed by moan yui in this kind of like subunit of the subunit of sakura queen (laughs) (laughs) but uh there was basically i mean apart from the album version there was one other version that came with the baby metal apocalypse limited edition uh, that's called the 444 version. Uh, and that is hard to get. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, anyway, that's... Do you have one? I don't. This is this is one of the only oh. uh, like media things I don't actually have. Wow. 
I have the book, you know, the the apocalypse, baby metal apocalypse book uh, with the, everything sure. but the CD. But there's they had two versions of it, one of them with the CD and one without, and mm. you know, it's hundreds of dollars to get the one with the CD. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I'm not saying it wasn't to get the one without, but I mean, like, yeah. um, it's very expensive, particularly if you already have it without to get the one with. <laughs> Are they out there? What is it like to get your hands on one? You, yeah, you can find them, but um, oh, I don't even, I don't, don't even want to guess at how many hundreds it is. But it's you know, four, sure. something like that. Okay, perhaps it's not worth talking about this that much. But there's a the in this uh, Baby Metal Apocalypse book, there are basically it's a binder, and there are a bunch of different sections. I think it's somewhere like uh, four or five different sections. One kind of comes with the binder, and then they sort of get the other ones separately. And one of the ones that you could get separately had the CD is part of it. And one of them just has sort of a, mm. a cover that has a circle on it where the CD would be. Mm, so, mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure they were sold for different amounts initially. I got here much later, but anyway, that had that, that special edition of the, it's, it's basically a special edition of the first album, but it has uh, the 444 version of song four and also the right. unfinished version of Akatsuki. So that's it. You know, I mean, it's, you would think it isn't that notable uh, just because it's, just a song on the album, but nevertheless, there's quite a lot to say about it. Uh, the next thing, the next sort of section in the show notes was the was the music of it. Um, I don't know. I don't know to what extent this is going to work, but um, I don't know. Uh, Garrett, did you have any? Maybe I'll turn to you as the as the musician among us. Is there anything okay. you wanted to say about it first? Um, the reggae style is probably my least favorite part of the song. To be honest, though, that's what makes it unique. What? How do you guys feel about that? Like, I. As a metalhead, I like the more metal style, and they're definitely no stranger to switching up styles, obviously, with Metal Galaxy and all that, but I don't know how I feel about it. I, it's a turnoff for me. Huh. But that, all the other parts, like the chorus is super catchy. Hmm. So it does, I mean, it does have the same, it has the kind of, you know, canonical early metal structure of like yeah. switching back and forth between styles. And what you refer to is is a very dramatic switch. Very know? dramatic switch. Mm-hmm. To the point where it's like jarring in my brain. I mean, you kind of get used to it after a couple of listens, but it's not my cup of tea. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, I kind of feel like it almost doesn't occur to me anymore that it's jarring because, I mean, that's just what comes next to the song. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, I've listened <laughs> See, to it so much. <laughs> I can kind of describe it. I can kind of compare it to Starlight because there's a couple of transitions in Starlight that do the same thing for me. It's like a sudden jar and beat and change of the beat and the tempo. But mm. in song four, it's just a sudden change in the entire genre. Yeah. But they're giving you that what is going on feeling, right? Yeah. Of course. It's not not even necessarily a bad one either, but I mean, I don't know how to articulate my feelings any further than that. Besides, I like the song because it's a baby metal song, but I don't like the song because of the way it's structured. Huh. The way it starts off, there's kind of a rhythm that it starts off with. Uh, and in fact, actually, the way you, the way I hear it, it's sort of like a shush noise that they make. Yes. So it's like shh, 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 right. shh. And, and whether it's actually somebody making that noise or whether it's just a white noise generator or something, it's very distinctive. I mean, like they play that and everybody knows exactly what's coming, right? You know, Just like the guitar and mm-hmm. IDZ comparable. Yeah. Um, someone was saying, it was suggested that maybe it's in fact kind of counting up to four. It's like one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, four. You know, yawn, yawn. I never even noticed that before. That's crazy. Yeah. And doing um, it in my head, that's that's right. But, the, I mean, the this, this song, I mean, as we talk through it, I mean, like, the song has just, like, fours everywhere. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy. Without even getting started on the imagery in their choreography. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, though, it, it really does feel to me at the beginning, and maybe even sort of throughout, as like a, a sports cheer. You know, like, can you not imagine cheerleaders doing this? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah, kind of good. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, they sort of set it up and then the whole audience goes, yon, yon. Right. (laughs) Right. We start with that kind of like the cheer. And then there's this, what is perhaps like an over the top kind of dramatic buildup. (laughs) And then eventually they get to the the words. And I mean, we'll talk about the words maybe in more detail, but obviously enough, you know, there's the, the sort of first part. Is it's just like a counting song, right? Yeah, you know, it's like one's followed by two and two's followed by three. Mm-hmm. And I guess there is, it is really chunked into pieces, you know? So there's this sort of like 
metally county part, and then the chorus part becomes a little bit more melodic, and then this extra heavy bridge, and then suddenly they're doing this like clean reggae, <laughs> and then right, uh, they alternate a bit more. So it's really in a lot of different chunks, and then they go back to the cheer, and and like Master of Puppets is hiding in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like if you've ever learned to play Master of Puppets, yes. you're halfway there to playing Song Four. <laughs> sure, I, I could hear that. Yeah, I saw a note somewhere saying somebody claimed that was intentional. I mean, and it probably is anyway. Like I don't understand the credibility level of the source, but it mm -hmm. seems plausible that that is specifically on purpose. That this is basically Master of Puppets. <laughs> I, I think that's plausible. We know they draw inspiration from Legends of Metal, Metallica being one of them. Okay, so I, I am intending to kind of go through the lyrics more carefully, but um, uh, one thing that differentiates the normal version from the 444 version is that there's there's a little bit of a like a, a talking uh, back and forth that they do um, in the second reggae chunk. Yes. That's basically the only difference with the 444 version. <laughs> oh, I, I had a theory about this. You guys can see what you think about this. Um, I, I think my theory fell apart right away. <laughs> But um in the middle of the in the middle of the song four, there's this weird like spring sound. You know, so it goes boing. <laughs> right. Which, you know, yep. I mean, it's just it's just comedy, right? <laughs> yeah. Um But actually, uh I noticed I noticed that that sort of like echoed to me um with GJ as well from Metal Resistance, that there's a cowbell, like a gratuitous cowbell in the middle of the song as well. Yes, there is. Um, which also feels like similarly comic. And I had at that point decided that this is just what they do in Black Baby Metal songs. But then after that, I couldn't figure out what the other ones were. So the other two are um, Sisanger from Metal Resistance and Onodori Daisakusen, uh from the first album. But ex unless, unless it's the little Limp Bizkit, uh sample. I can't think of what the comic element is in either of those in either of them really. I would consider that a comic element. Okay. That that noise yeah, it's I like know. I mean it's clearly a spoof off of something or another band did previously. Maybe not yeah. for comedic effect per se, but But then I was at a loss with Sisanger. Do, can do, do any of you sort of like have that enough in your head I, that you can find some comic like, give sound me in the middle? Five minutes. I actually have no. that on my main playlist. Give me a minute. Anyway, yeah. So it's possible that that's like part of what it is to be a Black Baby Metal song, or it's possible that I was just making stuff up. <laughs> I think that's a, a curious trend that almost went all the way. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about the the sort of like concept of viewing metal from a from a like a little girl perspective or whatever, and, and mm -hmm. I kind of see it. It's, it sort of seems like Black Baby Metal does that even more. I mean, like mm -hmm. this is even more dramatically like a little kid version. Yes. I'm not sure if we'll ever talk about Onodari Daisakusen, but um, I remember thinking that was just hilarious as soon as I got a, a hint of what was happening there, because it's kind of like songs about crime <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> except that the crime is like trying to trick your parents into giving you money. <laughs> it's so it's just like such yeah. a child view of a crime. <laughs> yes. I, c I couldn't think of anything in special in Sis Anger, but if when well, next time I listen to it, I'll pay a little bit closer attention. Yeah, I know. I, I know I will. I, I kind of skipped through it um, earlier today and didn't come up with anything. Though it's, it might be somewhat sacrilegious to say this, but that's, you know, if I have a least favorite song, that might be it, says Anger. <laughs> mm. um, so, I, so I don't know it as well as I know some of the other ones. It's not very high on my list either, if I'm honest. It's like... I, I listen to a lot of music, and I, I make several different playlists, and Sis Anger is one of those that always manages to follow me to the next playlist. Yeah. Uh, something about the energy of it just gets me, like, wakes me up enough to want to go to work. Well, that's pretty cool. I've definitely, um, you know, from sort of just hanging out on the Discord and stuff, I, it's clear to me that I am not the, I, like, not everybody shares my opinion <laughs> about these. Like, <laughs> so um, pretty much any song you pick, it's somebody's favorite. Anyway, uh, what was I? I'm not sure how we got here. Um, I think I was. I think I was just mentioning this the spring sound. Yes, yes, it was just the spring sound. Yeah. A spring led us on that path. It is funny though. I mean, <laughs> even if you weren't already smiling up to that point, <laughs> you just can can't help it. Even if you know the song super well. Uh huh. Okay, so maybe we can go to the thing, the major thing about this song. Um, I mean, we will get to the lyrics eventually, but the, the it's kind of the uh, the origin story, the credits of the song, that kind of sets it apart. So I th I think in the actual um, 
I think I got this right, JazzRack. I'm not sure what that stands for, but the the official sort of like copyright registry for the music industry actually has uh, the credited for lyrics and music on song four, Black Baby Metal. So like, mm-hmm. so it is it is officially a song that they wrote the lyrics and song and music for. Um, it's arranged by Tatsuo and, and KXBX Metal, but lyrics and music are fully attributed to uh, Yui and Moa in you know as as black baby metal which is super cool i think there's a little bit of uh fog in front of that a little bit because because we know they're not musicians they didn't actually come up with the music if you're thinking they came up with like the guitar riffs that, that that's not what we're talking about here <laughs> right yeah no i think i think that's all under arrangement <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh i think we're fairly clear about the origin of the song being when they were on their Singapore tour in 2013. So mm-hmm. what does that make them? I mean, you know, whatever they're, they're, what would they be? 14 12, and 13. 12? Well, 12, I guess is the yeah. round. Yeah. So, um, so it, it's not too surprising that they're not the ones that came up with like the guitar riff and the reggae stuff and all that stuff, but right. Um, Maybe the shifting from metal to reggae was partially their idea. It could be. Yeah. I mean, like, I think, I think we will never know what it was like before it was arranged. <laughs> But I, but I believe that the lyrics, we can pretty oh, yeah. clearly credit to them. And they're, they're, the lyrics are something, too, actually. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so does anyone want to kind of go through what, what you know of the story? Uh, sure. I'll, I will t- tell the tale as we know okay. it. Um, gather around, children. Gather around. <laughs> in a long time ago, and you can't know. Uh, so according to Hedoban, Volume 3, there, with translation... Uh, from an interview with Sue. Basically what happened was Yui and Moa were resting on the bus. They were bored and they started playing a game and they wanted to come up with a song. So they asked Sue for an idea. Uh, the quote was, we're randomly throwing a song together. Sue-chan, please give us some ideas. And Sue's just like, four. Eh? Sue responds, the number four. And then that's the origin of the song. And then they go off and came up with this thing and come up with the lyrics for song four. And it wasn't really meant to be a song as performed by Baby Metal. It was a song that they were doing on tour and just annoying the staff with. <laughs> um, so that was the game. It was, let's just be annoying kids and sing a song about four. And that's the origin story for what will become song four on the debut album, as we know it. Yeah, so I think my guess, um, so we know we know Hedoban, the the magazine, um, or music periodical, I guess. Uh, it seems too thick to call it a magazine, <laughs> but at any rate, uh, they you know they've been very supportive of Bay Metal. They've had a bunch of very good interviews, um, and in Volume Three, they had interviews with Sue, and then interviews with I think maybe all three of them. Um, but there was definitely there was definitely a version. There was an interview in there that was not just Sue. It had Yui and Moa, and right. Uh, so I, I was I actually looked at this you know, like I have this issue, and I was looking through it, um, and there is there's a chunk of this that's clearly about song four. I mean, it's, it goes on for several columns. Um, it's basically, I think it's mostly Moa talking about it, but they're all sort of like chiming in about what's, what's going on with this song. Um, the problem is that it is in Japanese and I don't think this part has been translated. So the Sioux interview has been translated, but this part, I could not find any English translation of it. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it in print, it's printed in a very stylistic, uh, you know, like a very fancy way, uh, which Google Translate has a heck of a time with. So it's it's written right to left in vertical columns of Japanese, but with uh, the English words are sort of rotated so that they're, I don't know, they're sideways on the page, basically. They're going down the columns. So Google Translate barely knows what to do with any of this because everything's mm-hmm. changing direction. I mean, like you can read it perfectly well as a human. <laughs> <laughs> if you know Japanese, <laughs> but it was hard to get very much out of that. I think both Garrett and I pointed our Google Translate phones at it, and I got close to nothing. Yeah, um, but it, the thing is, that it's kind of long, you know. And so I think I think a lot of the pieces of this are actually in there. Uh, but so I I looked at a translation of some something else that was written in Japanese, but was I think talking about this interview that got a little bit more out of it. So it was basically. In the car from the hotel to the venue in Singapore, they would often uh, play and sing improvised songs just like on the spot. That was like the fun, the game. So they had they had previously 
had songs about like a, a banana song and a wood song, and they they were basically expressing confidence that they could make a song on any subject. And so, <laughs> so he said, "All right, here you go." <laughs> Four, and I guess a little while after they got back to Tokyo, they Koba Metal, you know, approached them with a the tape recorder and you know said, "You know, sing that again." <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, and so there was actually. Uh, maybe this is the right place to talk about it. I don't, I don't know. Um, the the main arranger of the music um, is somebody named Tatsuo, uh, who is later on also known as Tatsuo Metal. Uh, and this person, I mean, so there's there's some other credits that we that we kind of know um, about Tatsuo. He he's related to a band called Everset and wrote songs for or arranged maybe um, some stuff for a band called Golden Bomber. These are bands that I do not know. Uh, one tidbit that I, I haven't been able to verify, but seems plausible is and is interesting, is that Tasso may have been responsible for arranging Chikoto Love, which that's cool. Oh, um, interesting. That was Yui's solo song, um, mm-hmm. like the metal version of it. Um, it's related to Morning Musume, originally but it's like some subunit of morning musume or something there's there's a the specific not quite morning musume but yet hello project group that was responsible for the original version of chakoto love so those who know this are you know shouting and throwing their podcast device across the room but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's something like that um but anyway i think that, w- that was a connection that uh, you know i was very interested to learn about i didn't know that so but um tatsu is also responsible for Onodori Daisakusen, um, Menta Toro, Tales of the Destinies and the One. All of these were sort of co-arrangements. So uh, Menta Toro with Ryu Metal, Tales of the Destinies and the One with Mishmash. Um, Omajinai is Tatsuo's and Shine. Mm. He's touched every single album. Yep. And it's interesting, too, that there's a DNA line between Song 4 and Shine. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, I mean, I think everyone who knows the story, anyway, kind of loves the song for it. I mean, like, that this is their song you know they they invented it mm-hmm. there was a there's an interview so i don't know what to call the interview uh, because i didn't look it up you know this should do maybe one hair more homework on this but everyone will know <laughs> what interview i'm talking about if i describe it because it was this crazy thing where they had Oh no! I see. I'm not quite remembering how this works. It was essentially it was doubly translated. There was like someone. Oh, it was the, the Italian interview? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So he would ask right. the question so, yeah, in Italian. Was, right. So it was, yeah, it was a, the most ridiculous game of telephone. It was an Italian interviewer speaking Italian to somebody who spoke Japanese and Italian who translated the Italian to Japanese. So it was just this long circle back and forth, and it's a really long interview with not a lot of substance because it takes about an hour per question. Yeah. And I think, I mean, <laughs> come to think of it, you know, I'm sure most of the English interviews are actually like that, but they don't show us that intermediate right. step, right? Yeah. So, but uh, and it, anyway, in that, uh, there was a question that was, I forget exactly what the question was even, but um, Yui kind of excitedly started saying, you know, sort of telling the story that Yui Metal and Moa Metal wrote the lyrics for Song 4 while they were in the bus uh, during rest time, since they had a bit of spare time. Uh, and the song we made was, uh, as just a game, later became a baby metal song. So, like, Yui was very excited about this, very proud of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was, it was yeah. kind of cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I have much more to say about that, except that, except that it's just kind of cool. You know, that this is, this is, as far as we know, actually, the only song that any of the the front three in baby metal participated in creating that might be different with metal galaxy but i think that's a discussion for another time because there's a, there was an interview that we forgot to mention in the news section at the beginning of the episode that might have hinted that they had a little bit more input on this album than previous ah okay and now we have something for the news for next time i guess maybe we can move on from the, the sort of the story behind it to Basically, notable performances, if there if there are any. I think I think there are a couple of things to say about this. But anyone want to dive in on that? Don't know how to really dig into it here, but no music video to song four is dropped exclusively with the album. Red Fox Festival and Red Mass were notable ones to be. They played a map. I feel like there's a lot of performances where song four was always nice. Lots of crowd participation, always. The Tokyo Dome I found to be one of the big events. Because they they really played that up. I mean, it was they, yeah. I mean, they played everything up. But that's the standout performance to me yeah. is the Tokyo Dome performance of it. Uh, if I had to go so far to say as 
the definitive performance of song four, it's Tokyo Dome. Yeah, I think so. It's it's long. <laughs> yeah. It's really long. But um, <laughs> but I mean, like the reason it's long is that they like ran around to each of I think it was I think there were four right four different teams. Uh, it was three. Uh, three. They ran down the three pillars of the stage. But there was a four team happiness team. Was there not? Maybe maybe there wasn't an O four team. Maybe I made that up. But there definitely was an Oishi team. So yes, I also feel like it's notable that the last time it was played was at Legend S, which was all the way back in December of 2017, which doesn't feel that long ago. Yeah, um, that's interesting. I actually can't picture it at Legend S. Did was, did Ma sing both parts at that point? Um, I don't know if she sang both parts, but she was the only one singing. She also sang GJ by herself. Yeah, night one, I believe. But, but so I think with with GJ, that was the one where I, I believe it was very clear, you know, that there was a piece missing. But um, but I, they did, I they did kinda, it two nights in a row. Yeah, I but I kind of thought that I should go back and look at this now. But I, I kind of thought that Mo actually covered for Yui's parts on song four because that would be weird right i mean like because mm-hmm. they sing by themselves so it'd be just like <laughs> a whole chunk of the song where nothing's happening except a couple of hey hey's right yeah <laughs> so i, I want to say she did yeah but still yeah it, it was not played at all in 2018 it was not played at all in 2019 and it has not been played at all in 2020 yeah this is one of those songs i think is in the can i think it's yeah highly unlikely we will ever see this played live again but, I have doubts for any black baby metal song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the the whole the whole sort of black baby metal concept is it's kind of it doesn't fit very well in not in the current incarnation because it was it was really it was kind of centered around being little like little kids and it's also Twins. pretty idly to have a subunit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see what they do kind of instead, but but I I, I can't really see. I mean, maybe they could hand them back to. A heavy metal club and SG or something. That'd be <laughs> but, nice to see. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe that's, there's maybe not much more to say about that specifically, but the, but definitely if there's any chance that anyone listening to this has not seen the Tokyo Dome performance, go do that. <laughs> Cause it's, it's oh, definitely. amazing. So now we can maybe get a, get to the lyrics and the meaning. Uh, th- we have sort of like the standard translations available to us. So do metal, the do metal blogspot.com blog has, a, you know, pretty elaborate translation and notes and then we have Dwayne metal's youtube videos um this is shorter the song's shorter but there's only four parts and each one's fairly self-contained or fairly short so it won't take it won't take too long to go through them if you want to uh listen to what Dwayne metal says uh so i wrote a ton of stuff about this but um why don't i does anyone else want to just say anything before i launch <laughs> <laughs> or, You're I mean, far like, more prepared than I could ever hope to be for this, so you take it away, and I'll I'll help you out when I can. Uh, anyone want to talk about the superstition part? I actually didn't had no knowledge of that up until okay. reading that. Oh, really? Yeah, I, it's always been like number thirteen here in the United States. Like some skyscrapers don't have a thirteenth floor and stuff like that. I didn't realize that was elsewhere. That's the same mentality. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of the same thing. So four in Japanese is yon. Or she, and she has a double meaning. It can mean death. So it'd be the song of death or death battle. Um, and that's why a lot of like elevators, parking areas, things like that in Japan don't have the number four. Just like we don't have hotel room 13 or the 13th floor in a skyscraper, things like that. Yeah. And, you know, it's true, actually, that I did not. I don't think I knew that before learning about song four. Like, I mean, this is, this was my route to f- discovering that. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I, I didn't know that before this song. But it really is, I mean, it's very analogous to 13 in, I don't know where 13 is unlucky, but it's sort of Western culture, I guess. Yeah. The, I mean, I th- the origin of it basically is that it has the same sound as the word for death, right? Um, mm. So there's actually, you know, there's various ways that have been, that you kind of work around it. But so Dwayne Metal probably goes through this in the most, detail um so he talks about well he actually talked a little story about how like when he was a kid you know he would go around and he would see like hotels without a fourth floor and nothing with a room of the number four in it and like he talked about how like if you got a license plate with a number four in it they would apologize and ask you on a different one and stuff <laughs> um, basically like anything that anything where there's a kind of a risk uh 
then people will try to avoid four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the numbers, there's a couple different series of numbers, right? Um, one sort of has its origin in Chinese, and the other one is a little bit more indigenous. And the Chinese ones are the Ichi Ni San Shi, right? And she is the four. Uh, she is also the one that sounds like death. Um, right. And she is also the thing that sounds like sh, like the the sh, 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 sh at the beginning of the song. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but anyway, so so the um, indigenous ones are he, who, me, yo, right? Um, and as I say those, anyone who has heard Awadama Fever any time recently will say, oh, yes, right, of course. Because <laughs> they say they, they do this. <laughs> right. Right. Each ni san shi, he, who, me, yo, right? Um, but um, anyway, so in order to avoid the shi in the Chinese ones, uh, they kind of borrowed the indigenous yo, uh, but stuck an on the end of it to make it sound more like the Chinese series. So yon is the is the Chinese series version of four. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the yon yon that everybody talks about. So anyway, the superstition is basically just like, you know, four is bad, four is bad luck. And so I've always sort of thought of the song as being kind of like a rehabilitation of four. <laughs> like, four is not so bad. Like, four is pretty cool. <laughs> I can get behind that. <laughs> I think somewhere I actually also saw them refer to this as like a like a learning song or something, you know, because it does have that sort of like teaching people to count kind of aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Well, to seven, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I mean, what more do you need? <laughs> <laughs> Who needs tens? Chosen seven. I mean, there's, there's no eight. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Dwayne Metal's first video is actually largely just about that, you know, just about the um, uh, superstition. And I think it's only really in the, the second part where he starts talking about the words. And the words are kind of nothing. It's like, you know, uh, it's basically, you know, two comes after one, three comes after two, and then four comes after three. And that's so that's um Moa's part. And then Yui counts down from seven the same way. So like seven's predecessor is six, six's predecessor is five, you know. So all of us are learning how to count in Japanese. Thanks to boot, right. black boot metal. I I know that I I have no idea what eight is, <laughs> but I can get from one to seven. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't need it. It's okay. Yeah. But yeah, so the uh, this was the place where um you know Dwayne Metal noticed the like the counting up to four like one two one two three one two three four um and also the the gesture that they have in the in the choreography at this point they're they're holding their finger up to their lips like shh um which sounds mm-hmm. like the she the death is right right so, the next part is the part that i'm not going to be able to do very well <laughs> because it's the more complicated part but it's the cleverer part like the way people have often translated this part as saying something like four is for happiness uh, and then like four is for a bunch of things. So in the same kind of way that you say like C is for cookie, you know, <laughs> or right, is right. for snake or something. Um, the way it actually happens in Japanese is it's it's something like happiness is hap or something like that. You know, so it's like the first syllable of happiness is hap. And so we're talking about happiness is the hap that belongs to happiness. Um, the way this actually comes out is uh, shiawase, no shi. Um, the shi that is the first syllable of shiawase, happiness. So I mean, essentially, they're they're saying something like four is for happiness, and then four is not for death. <laughs> you know, four is not for dying. Uh, mm-hmm. Four maybe for failure. Um, and then I think the last one is something like, oh yeah. So here's another thing: if we've watched, if you know, all of us have probably seen enough Sakura Gakuin to have heard Yorishiku uh, Onigai Shimas. I'm not pronouncing it very well, but everybody knows what this is, right? It's the thing they always say over and over and over again. Yeah, which is. I can't believe that I can't pronounce it after having it, having heard it so many times, but you know, yo, ro, shku, o, ne, gai, shi, ma, su, yoroshiku, onegai, shimasu. Right. And they, they smash it, they said <laughs> they smash it all together. Um, but anyway, so that has a, that has a yo at the beginning, which is basically like the yo of four. So the, the next line is, uh, yorishiku no yon. Um, so the, the, you know, yo is for, this like you know please take care of me <laughs> respect me or whatever it is that that means so i mean essentially what they're 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 sort of like pointing out the you know at least the sound of the word for is in all of these these words it's for happiness it's not for death you know uh it's i don't know what the failure part is but anyway you know it's it's the she in failure 
Um, it's the yo in this greeting. Uh, and then they have this, the thing that I just found the most hilarious was there's this next one where they say, bitomi no shi, which is, which doesn't sort of fit the mold exactly. Um, you could translate it as sort of like four is for a vitamin or something. But the thing <laughs> yeah. is, it's just vitamin C, right? Yep. So they just threw that in. That sounds, that sounds like what, like a 12 year old making up a song would do. Oh, totally. That's so <laughs> metal. Sitting on a bus somewhere. But anyway, so that that is probably my favorite long line of the entire song, <laughs> and the and in the choreography they actually like you know do make a C with their arms. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm never going to be able to unsee that or unhear that now. Oh, you didn't know this before? I actually didn't know. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, well, I mean that's I think that's really why I start like thinking this is so clever. It's just I mean they they're just playing around with the words just crazily. Either that or there was a bottle of vitamin C somewhere on the bus and they were just looking around the bus and were like, oh, vitamin. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure I mean, I'm sure it was just like, you know, what what has she in it? <laughs> yeah. Know? How can I make this a song? Uh, anyway, and then, yeah, so they, I think the next one is like uh, four is for joy because it has yoro kobi, but has the yo in it, the four. So anyway, so they, they, they do that. Yeah, so that's that's sort of like the the next part of the lyrics, and then they break into the the reggae part, which Garrett loves so much. Yep. <laughs> and then they um they have these sort of exclamations, which are essentially like um. So they've been tra- do metal translated them as the first one is "Oops a Daisy," second one is "Heave Ho," but I mean essentially the first one is like the exclamation for lifting something heavy, uh, and then the the second one is for lifting something like really heavy. <laughs> Uh, oh, it's not just heavy; it's really heavy. Yeah, yokori show. Yeah, um, and then the third one, yosha. They say uh, it's like when you've like it's a triumphant yell, <laughs> like you've scored a goal or something, right? Um, and then oishi, which is delicious for no good reason, <laughs> as far as I can tell. <laughs> um, Moa's foodie contribution to the lyrics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, so and then they go back and they they mostly repeat all that same the same stuff about like you know four is for whatever, um, but there's a there's a change in the um, vitamin C bit uh, where uh, instead of saying vitamin C again they 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 say basically four is for the it's for it's basically the four, first syllable in like repairing the world fixing the world um, sometimes people have translated this as like four is for world reform. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is kind of like what they're in they've they've i don't know if they use this term for it but it's sort of like what uh, idz was right i mean it was supposed to be like social change uh i think that was basically it you know as far as the words go the rest of them are all sort of repeated words that was so you know i have not taken any japanese kevin you have yes. how'd i do or like c minus <laughs> Awesome. That's passing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I get the credit. But yeah, I mean, so did you have any, like, what do you see in this when you, you know, when you actually kind of like know the language a little better? Well, I'll say up front, I don't know it well enough to translate a song, but the, you know, the words I do know in here, I, I agree with, um, it, you know, it makes a lot of sense. I will say from a language perspective, a lot of the words and way they say things is very childlike in this song. Uh-huh. Um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with, but there's there's different ways of speaking in Japanese, you know, kind of beyond like being formal and polite or being friendly um, and, and using short form. There's also I don't, not, not a whole different language, but different ways of pronouncing things mm-hmm. for children. There's a lot of baby speak, if you will. Um, and a lot of the black baby metal songs use those words. Um, sure, and you see some of that uh, from on the first album as well. Yeah, I think we were talking about this came up when we were talking about Doki Doki Morning too. Like, um, yeah, like I forget what it was, but it was yeah, Chomate Chomate. I think you know, which is like a like right. uh, kid like shortening of Chotomate. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, and I think that's one of the reasons this is probably in the can, and a lot of these songs are going to be in the can because they pretty obviously want to put a more adult face forward now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I think you know, there's a sense in which they 
they don't exactly acknowledge that they are up there performing, you know? So they, it, they can't just say like, okay, well, here's an oldie, you know, and have fun playing an oldie. Right. It's right. It's somehow there's a, there's a level missing that would allow that. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> so, um, I don't think it might not be gone forever. Who knows? Maybe they'll do all three discs in October or something crazy, but I, I wouldn't count on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically it for the lyrics. But I mean, I, I kind of wanted to just sort of like, Stress how much I love the, uh, you know, the wordplay aspect of all of this. It's really pretty clever when you consider how old they were and what they were doing when they came up with this. Mm-hmm. It's also kind of fun to think about being on the tour staff and having these girls singing this like all day, every day, with the express purpose of being irritating. Fine, you can just have the song. Take it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's something really endearing about that. Yeah. <laughs> so. I guess I wanted to mention this if people haven't come across this, because who knows? I mean, like, just for all of us, there was a time when we had not come across something. <laughs> but, and I only sort of half understand these, but there was something which was probably like a show in the morning. Um, I kind of, I think the time that you see in the corner suggests that it's just some sort of like thing that's on in the morning in Japan. So it's referred to as Saku Saku. And I think it's, you know, I th- and I think Saku Saku is the, Actually, this sort of like puppet creature. Is that right? Anyone know, or am I just, am I the I only one no who has idea. any chance of knowing this? You're the only one with any chance of knowing this. Yeah, I have no idea. Okay. Well, so Sakura Gakuin has made various appearances on this show. Um, and it's basically them sort of like talking to this kind of like, I don't know, almost kind of like crudely speaking puppet. Um, uh, you know, which is generally speaking, they're sort of like, on a green screen and, you know, you can sort of tell that there's sort of staff around all of camera, <laughs> but, um, so it's, I think it's basically just a way that they can get some television time. And, uh, so this, so occasionally Sakura Gakun will send people off to this and Mo and you have been on it a few times, but there were two songs that, that are sort of like, we, we know that they performed basically like they invented and performed. And one of them uh, was this like uh fried bread song. And the other one, I wrote Eat to Fight here because I think I copied that from something else. Yeah. But anyway, it's it's essentially like little songs that Moa invented. Um, and the fried bread one, they they did together. Um, but this is just supposed to be sort of an example of the kind of thing that Song 4 probably is. <laughs> so I, I'm sort of hesitant to put YouTube video links to things like this in searchable show notes because it just feels like, you know, here, AmuseBot is the list of things to take down. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, these videos have been up since 2011, so. Yeah. And it's not their content. So I think we might have actually almost made it through all the stuff that I had planned. Oh, I do remember this show. Sorry. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, there are definitely clips of not just this, but also, you know, like uh, several members hanging out, you know, in the morning at eight in the morning or whatever this is. (laughs) Yeah, I don't actually think SG's been on this in a while, and it might not even still be around. I have to say, I mean, you know, it's always nice to see them on tv but i didn't like the show <laughs> I like there must be better <laughs> things that they could be on i think i often don't like you know anyone any of the hosts of shows that sakura gakuin is on <laughs> at some point just being on tv in front of a huge audience is worth it so we are recording this at a time when not everybody can be here in the chat um and we had someone asked uh loon asked in the chat ahead of time you know, basically whether this is the only time we're going to see uh, something that they participate on and finally record. So I guess that gets to the, you know, possible speculations about Metal Galaxy 2. But um, but he was he was sort of mentioning that Sue at one point, um, and I'm pretty sure this was at the, it was in an, uh, in like the extra on one of the versions of the 2011 album, I think, where uh, they were sort of saying farewell to Sue. So they sort of like mm-hmm. had put together a, a kind of like a little book and where everybody's reading emotional things about how they're going to miss Sue and what Sue meant to them and all that. But um, right. But ahead of that, Sue had this little sit down with Maurice Sensei, like sort of talking about what she wanted to do. And one of the things that she said she wanted to do was kind of like, you know, possibly do songwriting. So we know that when she was a little kid, <laughs> Sue wanted to do this. We don't know. We don't know what that means in the future. But any, what what do you guys think of that? I like to think that maybe one day she'd have a higher input, or at least a more public, known input on the lyrics of songs and stuff like that. Because I'm sure there's instances in the past where she's had her input and 
songs like on Metal Galaxy or Metal Resistance, but we don't really know for sure on that. Maybe in future albums we could get confirmation that she had a higher role of writing the song, or maybe even Moa helping writing songs too. Now that they've grown up a little bit, I think they have a better understanding of what, what needs to happen in order to make a song. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's a something we could definitely talk about for a while. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of a hard question. I, you know, I, yeah, I, I want my, my inner fan says, of course, they should do this. I want them to do this. That would be awesome. Um, I mean, what they're doing now is working, but if that's what they want to do, I think I'd rather have see them do what they, I don't know. It's hard well, to see say. That, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I'm wondering. Like, you know, surely this is impossible, but what if she's not very good at it? <laughs> <laughs> then what? I mean, like, what if she really wants to do this and then, and then it doesn't turn out all that great? And, you know, so then what do you do? I mean, you know, I guess you, you want her to be happy, but it might be under the cost of like, maybe flaky talk lyrics. To other, talk to the other songwriters, maybe get some more influence. Yeah, perhaps right, that's, how, yeah. that's how she'd get better. Let's, of course, you know, of course, this is a remote possibility, but, it, but yeah. it, it's, a, it's a funny thought experiment, though. Oh, yeah. And I mean, actually, another thing that Loon asked, which I thought was kind of interesting to think about, at least, is if they, you know, if there is participation, how public are they likely to make it? I mean, like, perhaps if it's if it's to the point where one of them wrote the lyrics, you know, presumably Jazzrock would have it listed. But is this something that they would make a big deal about, or or not? Um, I could think of, I could see it going either way. Yeah, I, I, my heart wants it to be public, but like common sense would say like this wouldn't really be a huge hype point for a song it wouldn't be a selling point like hey our artist the the girl singing actually wrote the song but like from the outsider point of view anyway but like from a fan point of view we want to see that happen because it might be great it could be something huge yeah well no i mean that, that's part of what i was thinking too is like it's it's sort of like um sue wrote this one it's like yeah it sort of calls attention to all the other ones mm-hmm <laughs> Right. Um, so I don't know. I don't really have much. To, I don't. Ha- I don't have much predictive uh, energy. I guess on this, but it's uh, it's definitely interesting to think about, and it'd be fun if you know it turned out that they did have some sort of song that they really took ownership of. Anything else we wanted to say about that? Nope. Or anything? I think I think we've basically like yeah. exhausted song four. Yeah. I wish I could find that freaking interview. I can't seem to find it. That released in the last couple of weeks. Uh, because I remember it was fresh in that there was a, just kind of some new information because the interviewer asked some interesting questions. To paraphrase the line I'm thinking of, Sue was actually talking about their studio process can, during Metal Galaxy and how they would try stuff to see if it worked. Um, or if they didn't like it, they would try something else. Um, and that's what I was referring to when I was saying that there was an interview and you know maybe they do have more control and more input on the direction of the music now. Uh-huh. Uh, but for whatever reason, I just cannot find it right now. I guess I've always assumed too that there are many, many versions of these songs that have been recorded and, you know, like A B tested it. <laughs> right. So Probably. Like I imagine that a number like a lot of these songs have been have had different interpretations of the vocals tried out and I mean it sounds like we read something about BMC, you know, being right up to the last second working mm-hmm. on that. Um, yeah, I would expect that at least, at least if there was something that Sue did not want to sing, you know, or said like, this sounds dumb. How about this instead or something, you know, that would, yeah. that would happen. But, and I do, you know, I, I do like to think that, that they're sitting there at least for a large chunk of the time in the, in the sort of mix evaluation rooms. It'd be fun to be a fly on the wall for uh, that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. All right. Well, maybe we can maybe we can sort of park song four for now. Um, though, if if there's some obvious thing that we missed or some other comment you want to make, um, we read our feedback. <laughs> so um, we'll, we'll try to talk about that more uh, next time if stuff like that comes up. Maybe now we can actually talk about what our plan is. It looks looks pretty stable uh, for next time. I, we're pretty psyched about this. So um, maybe I'll maybe I'll hand it to to Kevin to talk a little bit about what the person that we're planning on bringing on to talk with us next time uh, does. Sure. So uh, for our next episode, uh, hopefully recording in about two weeks, uh, we have a friend of mine who is a concert and sports photographer who actually 
shot Baby Metal when they came through California in 2014. He shot them on this tour as well uh, in San Francisco and at the Forum. Uh, so we'll be talking to him about kind of his background, how he got into it, um, what the process is like shooting a Baby Metal concert, working with the group, that kind of thing. Uh, so it should be pretty exciting. If you're into photography, if you're into anything and kind of want to peek behind the curtain at something not a lot of people get to hear about, that'll be the episode for you. So look forward to that. Yeah, I am. I, I have a million questions. <laughs> I'm very, very <laughs> eager to hear about this. So yeah, the two weeks will drag on, I'm sure, until that actually happens. But um, but yeah, no, I think so if um, anyone, you know, listening to this has questions they would like us to be asking, uh, then let us know because we want to make sure we take full advantage of the, the time we have here. Yeah, definitely. Throw them in the suggestion box chat. Oh, that's true. We have a suggestion box chat. We sure do. do. <laughs> that's cool. I mean, <laughs> uh, it's set to light up when anything's new there. So um, I, I'll see it if something new goes in. So, All right. I think I'll close this off unless any, any final word. 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 Awesome. That is the best final word there could be. Uh, so that's it for this episode. You can join us on the Baby Metal Podcast Discord to continue the conversation. Rating the podcast on whatever platform you listen on will help people find it, so please do that. We'll be back here in about two weeks, and we hope you'll join us then. And until then, see you.